It's NBL Nation with Matt Chechens and Nick Lakovich. Hello, welcome to NBL Nation. Matt Chechens and Nick Lakovich here. Our second last show as we wind down the season in the WNBL and NBL for 2016-17. Hello, Nick. Evening, Matt. What a blockbuster show. Carly Miovich is going to be here chatting all things to do with the Perth Lynx. A disappointing result for them, but a chance to make amends this Friday. Yeah, an exciting opportunity for the Perth Lynx. The program has excelled since Andy Stewart has been at the helm and he's continued to develop and nurture talent, recruit, took into a grand final coach of the year, and now they're coming back home to the faithful Red Army of the Perth Lynx to get a victory in Game 2, let's hope. Two of the biggest names in the NBL throughout its history join us tonight. Sean Redditch, first of all, as he winds down what's been a remarkable career, and your good friend Shane Hill is going to join us again to discuss the Game 1 action and preview Game 2 of the NBL Grand Final Series. We've got an unbelievable cast of guests here this evening and uh, Hammer's going to give us his insight into obviously calling the games and his viewpoint from what he's seen on the sideline. He's doing all of the Grand Final Series, so it'd be great to get his take on what he feels uh, has happened in Game 1. And and obviously, Sean is an absolute superstar of the league and, you know, everyone knows how his impact and his legacy has been at the Perth Wildcats. It's just so fitting for him to be able to go out on winning his fourth championship and the eighth for the Perth Wildcats. We wish him and the team all the very best. Nick, I know a lot of the limelight in Australia's basketball landscape is focused right now on the WNBL semifinals and the NBL grand final, but not here on NBL Nation. We're across everything. Dean Demopoulos, wouldn't say sacked, but his contract not extended. We both predicted that quite a while ago. Yeah, you asked me as well last week if I thought he'd be signed or re-signed, and I, I, I didn't believe that they were going to have the confidence in bringing him back uh, in particular of how the program has turned out in the couple of years he's been there. A capable coach. Um, he obviously had a, a good pedigree with some experience from the NBA, but uh, yeah, he wasn't able to take them to the promised land. All right, so watch this space. Some big names have been bandied around. Sean Dennis might be one. Brian Gorgian. You know, those are two fairly substantial coaching resumes that uh, they'd be looking at without a mm-hmm. doubt. Whether or not it's time for Gorge to come back from Asia... Um, he's one of the most elite mm. and well-respected and winningest coaches in the history of the NBL. Watch this space. The Tony Mitchell saga continues. 12-month ban, throwing a ball at an official while his back was turned on the full, uh, reacted after that loss at home at Game 2 against the Wildcats. Yeah, really disappointing for him to finish off the way that he did an undisciplined act and something that the league needed to jump on. All right, so that is still ongoing at the moment. They have appealed or at least have requested some more time to respond to some of those things that are happening. So hopefully we'll have some answers in our last show in a couple of weeks. Tom Abercrombie, short-term contract in Turkey. Demir Insat, Biyukçekmeca, okay. which is a suburb in Istanbul. It's a lovely city. I've actually been there playing blue and white. And that's a, an interesting little deal for him, a short-term contract. And no doubt it should be lucrative. I would imagine it would be playing in that region of the world Mm. um, and he certainly wouldn't be making the move over there for a short-term contract if there weren't some great financial rewards but I wouldn't be surprised if there aren't a couple of other players maybe taking up a couple of short-term contracts. Some of the teams that missed out on the postseason action have had their 
awards presentations or award nights as such. Yep. Let's have a look at the Brisbane Bullets. The Leroy Loggins most valuable player, no surprises, Tory Craig. He had an exceptional year and in my opinion, I thought he should have been in the All-Star 5 team. Mm. Led the NBL in rebounding, led them in pretty much every category for the Brisbane Bullets. Um, and I had him in our uh, game of Clones. Clones mm. as the body type that yep. I would have used for someone like him. He's he, an he was going to get monstered by my Alex Pages <laughs> <laughs> physique. And just thinking back on that first team selection, I mean, if you had a choice between Tory Ogilvy's Craig or gone. Ogilvy. He's yeah, gone. Yeah. Anyway. And especially after what I saw in game one of the Yeah, and we're going to wrap that series. later in the show and it'll be interesting to see the Hammers take on Ogilvy, on particular that fast break dunk, but on, on, we'll get to that later. The player's player, Adam Gibson, and you know a nasty injury... Ended his season, but I'm sure he's ready to bounce back and one of the great players in the, in the league and a, and a nice guy too off the floor. Absolutely, he is, and he's an integral part of their program in rebuilding the Brisbane Bullets brand back in Brisbane. But they've got some concerns and they're going to have to do a lot of development and recruitment. You know, Bairstow, how long he's going to be out for? Undoubtedly, he'll miss the majority of next season. Petrie could be retired after his injury. Gibson, mm-hmm. hopefully he'll be recovered and, and they've got a couple of import spots to fill. We've got to quickly get through the others. Melbourne United most valuable player, Casper Ware, and the coach's award to Kyle Adnam. He's a player to watch in the future. Yeah, he's a great little backup point guard with tremendous energy. New Zealand, the fan and club most valuable players was Kirk Penny. So congratulations to him. And he was a very consistent performer this year. You hit the nail on the head. That's the one word that describes him now. He's not going to be uh, an explosive player anymore at the age that he's at, but consistency was uh, Penny to a T. No surprises here from the Sydney Kings, the members and the club MVP, Brad Newley. Yeah, he was phenomenal this year. And you could see when he was out injured and how much of an impact it had in the Kings' results. We are about to wrap game one of the NBL Grand Final Series. The Perth Wildcats taking that first step into becoming back-to-back champions and securing an eighth NBL title. We'll be right back. 98.5's NBL Nation. It's great to have your company on NBL Nation. NBL Grand Final Game 1 got underway Sunday here in the West. Casey Prather leading the way for an 89-77 to point win over the Illawarra Hawks, who had a very quick turnaround after their semi-final series win in Adelaide, which I predicted, but we'll move on to the grand final. What would you take, Nick? (laughs) I was a little bit surprised in how the game started. Uh, There was a little bit of nervous energy. Um, I thought that, to the credit of the Hawks, they came out and performed really well in that opening quarter. He stuck to a strategy and a game plan that he felt was going to slow the Perth Wildcats down, limit them. He tested them from the perimeter, And whilst Perth are a decent three-point shooting team, Martin and Prather are relatively streaky. Cotton is a legitimate shooter and has been dangerous all year from there. You can see the coverages that teams have played against him when he's on the perimeter. Um, But with then Knight and McKay starting, it makes sense Mm -hmm. that Illawarra came out in his own, in particularly with who they start as well. So... But as the game wore on, you know, the, the Hawks, it was 42 apiece. The rebound count was 20 to 18. Flip it, second half, and it was a point of emphasis that Coach um, Gleason put up on the whiteboard. And the glaring stat was the rebound stat. And he challenged the player group in the locker room at halftime to make a concerted impact on that area of the game. And that they did, Nick. 9 to Ill- 22. And Illawarra did not have one offensive Zero rebound. Zero 
offensive rebounds in the second half. They had three for the game. The Wildcats had 17. That, Matt, is just an area of conviction and effort, enthusiasm, hustle. It, there's nothing that you can do outside of wanting to go get that ball every, every single time. The disappointing thing is that they didn't make an effort on the defensive end of the glass to contain their opponent and gave up so many offensive rebounds for extra possessions. Mm. You can't do that against the Perth Wildcats on the road, Mm. yet alone at home and in a championship game. Now, there are a couple of other individual performances that really disappointed me from a Hawks point of view. I mean, you know, there are some players there that need to take a good look at themselves in the mirror and there are going to be some glaring things that are going to stand out on the videotape when Bevo goes back and does some editing. The name at the top of that list, AJ Ogilvy. Look, the reason he's not in the NBA is because, in my opinion, and I've underlined two things right here on my notepad, toughness and rebounding. He's nowhere near good enough at either one of those for his size, his ability, his athleticism. They were second last in the competition in defensive rebounding behind Melbourne United. Their Achilles heel over the last two years has been rebounding. They brought in Holyfield and Ogilvy, these guys, to come in and make a considerable impact through the course of the games, and he hasn't done that. And he had an opportunity to make a statement in this game by just going out there and applying pressure physically to a front-line team and challenging McKay, Knight, Brandt, and these guys, and he shut away from it, in my opinion. I've got a question for you. What was your take on his matador-type defense when Prather had a a clear open path towards the basket. It seemed as though he could have gone up to make a bit of a statement. We go back to the semi-final series against the Hawks and the Wildcats at home. In my opinion, Casey Prather has crushed the soul of Ogilvy. That dunk in transition, he planted on it. That is still playing through his mind. That image is still over in his mind. He turned the ball over he saw Prather running down the sideline. He had a chance to get below and in front of the ball and make a contested effort of making sure it wasn't a clear line drive, yet alone a dunk. And the body language and the image of that was, I'm not going to get in that wise way again. Mm. Let's think about historic playoff teams that have had success in the NBA. Lakers and the Celtics. Kurt Rambis gets get put on his backside by mm. Kevin McHale. Detroit Pistons the versus the... Chicago Bulls. How many times did Michael Mm. Jordan get hit on his back? Ogilvy had an opportunity there, in my opinion, to make a statement and change the culture forevermore for the Illawarra Hawks and say, not tonight, not on the road. We're going to show you what we're about. We're serious Mm. about contending and winning this thing right now. Instead, he took a step back and allowed a guy like Prather to gain more confidence. Rodney Clark, just 11 points on eight field goal attempts. An admirable job done by the Minister of Defence, Damian Martin. And for me, Nick, Illawarra, and we know this, heavily relying on that three-point jumper, 27 field goal makes, 10 of them from beyond the arc. So it kind of shows you that they have greater success shooting threes than what they did of anything off the bounce. You know, Norton found it hard to get in seams. You've got to give Perth credit here. And in individual performances, Damian Martin, he held when he was guarding Norton, uh, sorry, Clark, he held him to two points every time he was on him. He got on a little hot streak there when Jared Mm. Kenny stepped onto the floor and knocked down a few jumpers. You know, Martin's effort defensively and the way he impacts games 
without scoring a point is remarkable. The deflections in transition, the two-on-one fast break where he gets a hand to it, the steals underneath the rim, just forcing pressure and late in clock, making guys have to make tough decisions is why Martin is still, without a doubt, the best defensive player in the competition. The final numbers in the 89-77 to 77 point win. Prather leading all scorers, 22 points. Matt Knight, superb, particularly early on, 18 points and 11 rebounds. And Bryce Cotton chipping in with 18 points and six boards to his name. One of the greats in a Wildcats jersey and in the NBL. Sean Reddish to join us for the second time on the other side of this break. NBL Nation on 98.5. We're family. You're on NBL Nation. Matt Churchins and Nick Lakovich live in the 98.5 Sunshine FM studio. Well, a three-time NBL champion looking to make it a four-time champion. NBL legend Sean Reddish joins us for the second time this season. Good evening, Sean. Thanks for having me, guys. An excellent team effort in game one. The Hawks kept it close in patches, but experience prevailed in the second half. You must be happy. Yeah, I mean, it took us. Uh, it felt like we were kind of the teams were kind of feeling each other out in that uh, first half. But you know, I think we kind of built up our intensity, especially on the defensive end, and and I think uh, the rebounding and you know just getting some easy ones to put back to kind of get us going in the second half really kind of changed the game for us. So. Uh, you know, Illawarra shot the ball really well, but I think uh, the way we rebounded and, and our defensive pressure probably was the difference. The head coach of the, the Hawks and Rob Beveridge, your ex-coach as well, was scathing in his review about the intensity levels on the glass from the Hawks. Was that noticeable or was it just the, the Wildcats did a better job of getting after it in that game of will, not skill? Well, you know, I think we uh, they out-rebounded us earlier in the year and uh, we kind of took that, took that to heart and you know, made uh, made sure that we were going to, uh, I guess, make amends for, for that effort on the glass. And particularly, I thought the second half, we uh, we really did a good job. But, uh, you know, they got some good good rebounders. I'm sure they're going to be talking about it over uh, over the last couple of days. And, you know, I think that they'll, uh, they'll have a renewed focus and we've got to make sure that we, uh, I guess, we come with that same energy, especially on the rebounding. You know, each game we played this year, uh, the, the team that rebounded, uh, the best uh, won the game. So I think that's a telling sign of, of how the uh, the teams are going. The rebound stat was astronomical in the favor of the Wildcats, but I felt the attack at the rim and in the paint allowed guys like McKay, Brandt, Knight, all get extra touches on the rim. Casey's attack at the rim and trying to finish at times kind of freed those guys, allowing themselves to get tips either at the rim or back out for extra possessions. Has Casey been really locked in on being more assertive in this series against the Hawks? Yeah, I think probably the last uh, three weeks you kind of seen him be, to be honest, get healthy. Mm. Um, you know, I think he was carrying some niggling injuries uh, heading into that stretch, but he finally uh, got himself 100%. And uh, you know, he's he's probably best in the league at uh, getting in the paint. And uh, he, as you said, he, he draws so much attention that it kind of makes everyone else's job a little bit easier, especially guys like Brant and Knight and to really attack that offensive glass. So the work Casey's been doing and Bryce as well has kind of freed everyone else up and to, uh, to play their best as well. Now the Hawks came out and showed a zone early and played some extended periods of zone in the first half. They slowed the ball and the tempo down by showing that bit of a bluff 
uh, extended pressure into a zone. There seemed to be at times, especially in that first quarter, where the ball didn't really move a lot and it took a lot of time for the Wildcats to get in some kind of rhythm in ball movement and motion to stretch and flatten that zone out. Has that been discussed so far this week of practice about how to penetrate and stretch that zone out a bit more? Oh, we knew that they, you know, they had some success with the zone versus Adelaide, so we felt like they were uh, they were going to play that coming into our game as well. We probably didn't attack it as well as we could have in that first quarter, but I thought we made the adjustments and, you know, our passing, especially in that third quarter, probably was uh, got us going and uh, just moving the ball against that, that zone. They've got some uh, active players, but, uh, you know, if we can find, uh, find those gaps, attack, move the ball, uh, that'll help us against it. But, you know, I expect them to probably up the, the pressure and the ante come uh, game two and, and probably uh, probably try to play a little bit more pressure uh, defense. Turning our attention to game two, Matt Knight was exceptional in the first term and really managed to make the Hawks pay with some laxadosial defense and getting some elbow jumpers. He's going to be crucial in game two in what's going to be a very hostile environment there in the gong. Yeah, it's always tough to go to Wollongong and uh, and to get a win, um, especially come playoff time. There, uh, they, you know, they've got a good support, and you know, a lot of their guys seem tend to uh, shoot the ball a lot better at home, um, as you would, and 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 they play with a little, a lot of energy as well. So we know that we're just going to have to try and uh, you know stem the flow, and make sure they don't get on too many runs, especially from the three point land. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we defended Rodney pretty good, but, uh, you know, he's going to come out game two trying to make an amends, and uh, we just got to make sure we make each shot tough, and, and then when they do shoot those tough shots, get the rebound and, and try and push in transition as well. So it's, gonna, it's a tough challenge for us, and, uh, you know, I think we're looking forward to I don't think we played our best basketball on Sunday, and uh, hopefully we can uh, improve a little bit because we're going to need to if we're going to get a win uh, in game two. Sean, you're two wins away from securing a championship, the eighth for the club. Have you had time to actually look back and reflect right now on the accomplishments that you've achieved, the legacy you're going to leave behind at the club, or are you still just locked in professionally in the moment? I guess I've learned over the years that you've really got to stay locked in on that next game, especially come playoff time. I mean, one play, one one call, you know, can kind of stem the tide in, the, in a whole series. So, you know, there'll be plenty of time to kind of reflect and think about my time at the Wildcats. But I think as a player, you, I guess the experience that uh, I've been able to have is, is, you know, you've got to stay in that moment. Sean, what's the one thing you think you'll miss most about the National Basketball League? Well, I probably won't miss traveling from Perth to New Zealand. Um, I definitely won't miss miss the travel. But uh, you know, it's just going to be around being around the guys and, and being in that team environment, and you know, having something that you're striving for. And I guess it's a special privilege to to be able to play professional sports at that level, to be able to do it for so long. And we've kind of got a great camaraderie within the Wildcats and. There's always going to be something missing uh, when you when you've been playing the sport since you were um, from second grade on. So uh, it's been a dream of mine. I've been fortunate to to uh, live out my dreams, and uh, hopefully uh, we can get two more wins and kind of end it on the right note. Beautifully put, Sean. Just as we end, is a bit more of a light-hearted note. It's my understanding that the players and the coaching staff have thrown out the razor throughout the playoff series. Uh, who's got the best? 
beard or the growth at the moment and who's the worst because I bumped into Jamie O'Loughlin on Sunday and he's looking like Shaggy off Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kind of, uh, well, you know, I don't. I think Reef is trying to grow his, uh, <laughs> his, his beard but uh, hasn't really shown too much. I think uh, JK's probably uh, got the softest one but, you know, Matty Knight's <laughs> Is is uh, getting getting a little bit out of control, but if he keeps playing like he did in game one, he may have to have that beard uh, for the rest of his career, I think. <laughs> here, here, Sean, just before we go, uh, probably our final time to speak with you on our show as your wonderful career will be drawing a curtain in and hopefully in the right manner because no other player deserves a fitting send-off and a fourth title than yourself. Myself and Nick admired your professionalism and you know to come through adversity and to be a leader in what you do in the community here not only in western australia but for australian basketball you're a credit to yourself and your family we wish you all the best in securing that title and enjoying uh, your life post nbl thanks guys always a pleasure and uh yeah i've been pretty fortunate to to play in the nbl and and to call perth home yeah i consider myself a pretty uh, lucky and blessed individual with what how, how things have turned out. We are the nation, NBL Nation on 98.5. We turn our attention now to wrapping the WNBL semi-final series, Game One, record-setting Sydney Uni Flames 111 to Townsville 69. The defending champions on the back end of one of their worst defeats, not only in playoff basketball, but also in their history. Alex Wilson leading the way for the Sydney Uni Flames. 27 points. She was red hot from the perimeter. She certainly was, Matt. And well supported by Asia Taylor. 19 points. Lilani Mitchell, 19 points. The whole team contributed in this win. Sydney shot 54% from the field and largely due to the 48 points in the paint versus Townsville's only 28. Mm. Townsville didn't help themselves in this game. 18 turnovers, which Sydney converted into 25 extra points. A complete domination. Yep, Sydney up 52-37 to at halftime, and they weren't going to ease up on the throttle. They put up a 38-point third term. Now, the 111 points is a new all-time high score in a WNBL's finals match so credit them Susie Bankovic 18 points 10 rebounds and Mia Murray 17 but that was a huge win and a statement to the rest of the league from the Sydney Uni Flames the regular season champions just one game from ending the defending champion season well the Perth Lynx always a tough ass to go over to Victoria and to play the Dandenong Rangers and it didn't go to script Perth Lynx put in a poor first half performance a spirited fight back in the second half. Too little, too late, Nick Lakovic. A seven-point loss, 73-66, to 66, the final score. Yeah, this is a Perth team that's really struggling to execute offensively. Only nine assists in this game, and the defensive domination of Dandenong has continued. They just seem to really pack it in. This pack line defense that they've been playing against Perth, absolute pressure to Mirovic and Whitcomb has come up trumps again for them. Coming 25 points, Novacell 15, Sammy did an incredible job as best as what she could. 24 points, 13 rebounds in this, but it just didn't go the way of the Perth Lynx in this game. Concerning signs for the Lynx and the fact that they only had nine assists when they rely on getting out in transition and then that, that ball movement when they do get into the half-court set, Nick, that must be an area of concern heading into a do-or-die game this week. Yeah, that's been the strength of how they've played all year long. They've been able to get the ball off the rim, push, advance it early in the transition, be super aggressive, but in the half-court is where they're really breaking down against this standing on team and they're also not connecting from the perimeter like they have in the past. They're only 5 for 21 in this game. 
Well, we're going to chat with Carly Mievich, one of the sharpshooters for the Perth Lynx, and pick her brain about that disappointing loss in Victoria and the adjustments that need to be made for the Lynx to keep their season alive. Don't touch your dial. Carly Mievich, up next. Wildcats, Lynx, and the rest of the NBL and WNBL. It's NBL Nation on 98.5. Welcome back to NBL Nation. Former WNBA draft pick and WNBL Rookie of the Year, Carly Mievich, returns to NBL Nation over the phone. Good evening, Carly. Hello. A disappointing loss, obviously, in game one of the semi-final series, but a great response from the team after half-time. However, the game was already out of reach uh, due to the, the poor execution in the first half. Yeah, it was a, it's disappointing to lose game one, but um, I think we've got lots we can take away from it and lots of film to watch to see what we can do better, and it shows that we can beat them. We did come back and got pretty close in that second half, but I think we just need to not put ourselves in that situation of having to come back from so far down. The number that jumps off the page for me and the silver lining to a very dark cloud in game one was the 20 offensive rebounds that the Lynx had. However, the team couldn't capitalise. Our scoring didn't come to light. I think end of the third to the fourth quarter, I think we only had 38 points, I think, in the third quarter. And that's not really good enough. That's not going to win us a game. But I think, yeah, we need to get on the offensive boards and the defensive boards more and just try to get our game back, you know, our running game, not having to take the ball out of the net and pass it in rather than getting the rebounds and, yeah, getting that offensive game going. Carly, this is a team that, through the course of the season, has had the number of the Perth Lynx. They've won three out of the four games during the regular season by quite large margins. And then you take into account this game now and in the manner in which they did it, it seems to be right now that Dandenong have dedicated themselves to play a certain style of play to have to only beat the Perth Lynx. Their defense right now has kind of slowed that organized chaos movement that you guys have been renowned for they've packed it right in they seem to be plugging in the keyway helping deep off ruth and that putting yourself and sammy under a lot of duress what are the one or two things do you think you can make some adjustments on immediately to get a victory in game two will the focus now be more towards the defensive end and changing the tempo that way i think defensively you know, it wasn't the worst game for us. And I think when we put pressure on it, really, you know, messes their offense up and they don't like that at all. So it's, I guess yep. that's something we need to do from the start is be ready defensively to pressure them. Offensively, I think we just, we need to hit screens better and we need to just get through our offense and not feel that the pressure's on one person to try score. And I think everyone, we're not going to win with one or two people scoring. It needs to be, you know, a team job and that's, what we're going to have to do to win on Friday night. Well, playoffs are made of, from exceptional moments through the course of games. Where do you feel right now with knowing what you've learned from game one? Where's the moment going to be through the course of this game where you can start to gain some ascendancy against this standing long team? I think it's just got to be from the start, really. If we get down by you know eight points, we need to not then let it blow out to 20 like it has Yep like nearly every single game we played them, apart from that one time that we beat them by a bit. I think we just need to take accountability and not force it then at that stage. If we do get down and let it blow out, we need to then slow it down, get through our stuff and get a score because it's hard trying to play catch-up basketball when you're down by, I think it was nearly 22 points to try come back and win. 
three-point shooting percentage for the team over the weekend dropped a little bit and the numbers in volume did as well. Um, the floor spacing just isn't the same uh, with this Dandenong team. Psychologically, how are the girls feeling right now going into game two? Yeah, we were okay today at training. I think yesterday we were a bit down, obviously, as you would be after losing yeah. the game, but I think you can't stay down. You've got game two to win and to take it to a game three. So we're all, you know, at training today, all listened ready and focused on what we need to work on and, yeah, what we need to do to win. Well, the talent pull is there. You've done it through the course of the majority of the season. You know, there's some exciting prospects in how you've played. The belief should be at an all-time high. You've only got to win one quarter at a time and make each one of them count. Your role, as we know, in game one wasn't up to the standard of what you've played at all year. How do you think that you can make a, a bigger impact? I've always found it hard playing against Dan Ong. They just have Sarah. Sarah Blitzoff just stick to me the whole yep. game. You know, it's hard to get my open. natural game going of yep. getting the shot off for an open shot. But I think, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm not going to, I'm not going to score lots against them because their defense is just too close to me. But I think I need to just, I think, get on the boards a bit more and, set some more screens because if they're not going to help off it's going to be just like a double pick yep. they're one of our girls whoever's coming off the on board so I think yeah that's what we need to try to focus on or I do anyway Is it fair to say Sarah knows your game inside and out because you're pretty good friends off the floor Yes yeah, so she's one of my best friends and yeah we've been playing beside each other and we're together with AS for a long time so yeah we both know each other's game pretty well Carly, we really appreciate you spending some time with us again on NBL Nation and giving us a bit of an insight into the Perth Lynx camp Friday night at the Bendat Basketball Centre. And myself and Nick and obviously yourself all looking to urge the Perth Lynx faithful to get down. We're red at the Bendat Basketball Centre. 6.30pm is the tip-off. Do or die game. Backs against the wall. And we're sure that the girls will respond. We wish you all the best of luck come Friday night. Thank you very much. 98.5's NBL Nation. Time to preview the game two of the semi-final series in the WNBL. Townsville hosting the Sydney Uni Flames. That's Friday, March 3rd, up in the north of Queensland. Some keys for the fire to keep their season alive. Most importantly right now, they need to be able to control the tempo against a red-hot Sydney Uni at the moment. 119 points in a game of basketball is incredible. So some huge adjustments need to be made to their transition defense and also making sure that they don't cough the ball up, taking care of the basketball and not giving up extra possessions against a team that has a massive amount of firepower. We're talking about Wilson, Taylor, Mitchell, Snell. If you give these girls extra possession, they'll make them pay as they did in game one. Townsville need to find Hampson a little earlier on the glass, it seems. Absolutely. She had 10 rebounds in 16 minutes in this game. She has to be taken out early and making sure they've done a job there. Sydney Uni as well, on their side, on the flip side, Matt, they're going to have to make sure that they continue to push the ball as much as possible, penetrate and pitch to the open shooters, connect from the perimeter like they did in game one. They have threats all across the floor. Can you see the fire extinguishing the flames? Oh, no pun intended. Very well done. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is a game of momentum. Uh, Sydney have all the confidence and the momentum and the wind in their sails, which will mean a victory in Game 2, and it will be a sweep 
for Sydney Uni, in my opinion. Yeah, look, they look the team to beat at the moment in the WNBL season. Let's turn our attention to the Bendat Basketball Centre. Tip-off, 6.30pm. The Lynx hosting the Dandenong Rangers. Perth need to start getting clean looks and knocking down their perimeter shot, Nick. Yeah, they do, Matt. But I think the other thing that needs to happen is the role players and the players who have been impactful through the course of this season for the Lynx need to find ways to be more effective at both ends of the floor. I'm not just talking about the offensive end. How can they make an impact physically or a stand and put some of these players from Dandenong under pressure coming uh, Novacell, etc., and making sure that they're doing a job to contain them to get some easy opportunities out in transition. Now, Edmondson, you know, Carly didn't shoot the ball well, but she does a lot of other things really, really well. And she can be used in this game, as she mentioned earlier, as someone who can create opportunities, setting pin down screens, on ball pick and rolls. If they're going to stay connected to her, it's going to create space for penetrators. Yeah, Tanea Phillips is another one that need to increase her scoring output if the Lynx want to stay alive. Dandenong, they're 4-1. and one. They've got a big winning margin on average. Is the full throttle game plan working against them this season? Clearly not. And this is the only time that it hasn't worked. This is the challenge now for Coach Stewart. Uh, we're talking about a coach who has a pedigree of success at every level he's coached at. Is he brave enough to make changes? Is he going to stick to what he's doing and have belief that the girls can just out-execute them? The history shows no. Uh, and they haven't had a big enough impact or success through the course of the game they got blown out in this game early Mm. so they're going to have to make some changes dramatically to make sure that the first quarter they're in this competition they're in this game and they have a chance of squeaking out a winning game too who's your tip i'm going to back perth at home think that they can shoot the ball better feel comfortable sleeping in their own beds having some home cooking and I'll back coach Stewart to make some adjustments here him and Petrick right now the coaching staff they're a knowledgeable group they've been at a grand final last year uh, I, I think they have the ability to win game two we are urging all Perth Lynx fans to dress in red Absolutely. get down to the Bendat Basketball Centre this Friday the doors open at 5.30pm if you're over east or overseas then you can tune into the live stream. Two guys that apparently know their stuff will be broadcasting those games, Nick, myself and you. Had to give ourselves a plug, but look forward to calling what's going to be a great game. Really looking forward to that opportunity again, and more importantly, seeing what the Perth Lynx are capable of doing, and they are capable of getting back to a grand final. We wish the Perth Lynx all the best in Game 2. One of the legends of the NBL and one of our friends on NBL Nation, Shane Hill, on the other side of this break, discussing the NBL Grand Final Series. 98.5's NBL Nation. Back for a third time this season on NBL Nation, one of the most respected basketball minds and one of our greatest players to ever play the game, an NBL champion, NBA player, and soon to be three-on-three phenomenon. Shane Hill, welcome back. Oh, wow, that is a big intro. Now, the, Thank you. The big stat wasn't coming out of the grand final. It was the fact that a man over in New South Wales managed to knock down 14 threes in an A-grade game. Tell us more. <laughs> it just shows the opposition wasn't that great, doesn't it? But uh, <laughs> No, nah, it's starting to come out of my hand a little bit better. I've dropped a few kilos and uh, got about 3,000 threes up last week. So starting to come together in preparation of getting to the States and rolling the dice. But going to be a bit of a long shot i'm not sure that um what sort of chance i've got of actually making it but it should be a bit of fun well, we're backing you in we wish you all the best in that pursuit shane you're one of the number one callers here in australia on fox sports what was your take 
game one. It was tight till half time before the Wildcats' experience seemed to win through in the end. Gee, you just felt all the way through that the Wildcats were going to run over the top of the Hawks. But you've got to take your hat off to the Hawks. They played pretty good basketball and probably outplayed the Wildcats in most categories apart from the offensive rebounds. And uh, when you end up taking that many more shots, and I think it was 17-3, to 3, it ended up on the O boards. It just ends up killing you and uh, the Wildcats' experience just took over. Were you surprised in the lack of intensity on the glass from Illawarra? Tony had three for the whole game, not one in the second half when the game was up for grabs. Yeah, I mean, I think for them, they don't have that many people that are really going to attack the boards. They really want the mindset. If they're going to shoot shots, they really need to stop the Wildcats running down the other end. Mm. But on the defensive end, you've got to go and get some contact. Even if you're playing a zone or man-to-man, it's got to be a critical part of the game for them. And um, they just didn't get it done. And, 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 you know, there's a physicality that, you know, you have to do on a on a possession-by-possession possession basis that they just couldn't get it done. And AJ, again, you know, he's not that physical type to be able to make it happen as their starting centre. Well, the concerning signs for the Warra, yeah, they're down one game in the series. The people here on the floor who finished the game in the last five minutes. He had Ogilvy on the bench, Holyfield on the bench. They're getting their backsides beaten on the glass. And there was no presence both at the offensive or the defensive end. He'd lost faith in these guys and closed the game out with Kay and Cody Ellis as their two interior bigs with three other guards. What adjustments is he going to have to make and what kind of discussion or chat, if you're the head coach and Bevo, is uh, the discussion going to be with Ogilvy in particular? Yeah, well, I mean, there's not much you can do with AJ. I mean, we've spoken about it before on the show. I coached AJ, and his mindset, not a tough guy, and uh, he doesn't like these situations. But if you're not going to play him, I think you have to play Holyfield and have some sort of presence in the middle and just tell him to go and get every board they possibly can. I was really surprised that they went out of their zone. I I Mm. thought the zone was great for them. And as soon as they went to a man-to-man, you know, trying to defend, you know, both Cotton and Prather, you know, it's a nightmare. And, and once they got past the initial line of the defense, then they got rotations. Even when they missed that shot, it opened up the offensive boards as well. So it really hurt them. Yeah, I thought Bevo did a really good job in preparing the team with limited time and putting together a game plan that he felt was going to be most effective against a Perth team who have been streaking their shooting. They haven't been great from the perimeter. And playing extended pressure back to that 2-3 did seem to work for the first half but the big question for me is and I said this to Matt during half time I just don't believe the Hawks have got the cattle to do it over 40 minutes do you agree? Oh, I, I think they can at home I, I think they can win game two I think it's going to be a close game obviously all the pressure is back on them now um, Perth can really go and throw a haymaker with not a whole lot to lose knowing mm. they're coming back on Sunday with such a dominant home court performance um, so they've got it going for nothing. But for Illawarra, they, they can win this game. Um, but I think they have to stay with what they do. If you make a couple of shots, if Damien Martin makes a shot here or there, it doesn't matter. But they have to be able to contain their Americans and close out short, contest late, you know, and, and back themselves that over a full 40-minute game on the road. And Prater hasn't really got it done on the road apart from the big gaming cans in the last game of the season uh, against Melbourne United. So they have to test him to see whether he can hit from the perimeter over 40 minutes as well. The Hawks rely heavily on playing this high-tempo game style, as you've just mentioned and everyone's aware of, which generally means that they have to finish defensive possessions. They have to rebound. They can't be taking the ball out of the net and start playing 
a slow style of game because it's not the way they've played games. Perth are the only team that's kept this team under 90 points all year. How are they going to change that philosophy right now? If you're coaching them right now, how do they change what they didn't do in game one immediately? They're not changing what they do. I mean, they are who they are. And from the pre-season of what Bevo, you know, his philosophy doesn't change. Mm. They just have to make adjustments and, and do the things that they let themselves down on better. And to me, you know, they outscored them from the field um, in field goal percentage. They were better yep. from the three-point line. Um, they have to block out. They have to win the rebound count. And yep. it's such a critical stat against a team like the Perth Wildcats because we know they're relentless. If they're not shooting the ball well from three, there's more missed shots and all of them attack that glass, even obviously Damian Martin. So um, if they can't win that battle, they're not going to win a game. They'll get swept. You touched on Ogilvy and I'm going to be really critical and this is why I think the Hawks can't win this series and this is why I think they can't win game two. I think the Hawks are mentally soft and I think Ogilvy uh, had an opportunity in the fourth quarter when he turned the ball over to Prather when he got in the passing lane to steal the ball to make a statement in the series and put Prather on his backside or at least contest that shot or that dunk that he did. He gave up. His body language was horrible. In my opinion, he could have changed the identity of the Hawks forever in one possession. But but he would have had to change everything that he is about, the way he's played his whole Mm. career in one possession to do something that he, he doesn't do. Um, that's not going to happen. Mm. So, you, you know, you, you, he's their franchise player. I've said all year it's going to be mm. tough for them to win a championship and your franchise player you know, isn't physically and mentally tough in these situations. But I, I feel like you still have to try and get the best out of AJ. And I think yeah. he, he, he worries too much about scoring from the perimeter. But, you know, he's open because they leave him open. Yep. I would leave him open for the whole time and challenge him to shoot threes or long twos, and it just doesn't look like going in. What he needs to do is he needs to go and set some really good screens, get his guards open, and then roll to the basket. Because when mm. he does that, he's got good footwork and he's got good hands to be able to finish and get himself to the line and put pressure on the defense from the Wildcats. He needs to block shots and rebound. If he can get 14 boards, which he's capable of physically, and he just concentrated on that as part of his process, he could really help the Hawks. Yep. But I think all of the other things get in his mind, and then if he misses a few shots, then he gets his head down and it translates the rest of his game. Hammer, who are you looking at also within the, the Hawks roster? I mean, Marvell Harris is reported to be back and suiting up for game two. It was the first time in 61 career games in a Hawks jersey that Cody Ellis actually led the team in scoring. Who needs to up their scoring in game two for the Hawks to get the W? Well, it, it's really hard to know. I mean, it's predictable the way Perth like to play. And my philosophy is more about that. You play through your best players. You know, obviously they go Clark. through their, their gun Americans. Everybody else, you know, steps in and plays their role. They're so unpredictable, the Hawks, though, and they do it by committee. They don't go at Rodney Clark. And I think at stages, Rodney's got to take responsibility as well and be able to take the game on. Go and make plays when his team needs him to be able to make plays. Um, but they play such a different style that different guys can step up. Obviously, Cody had 12, missed a couple of easy shots um, after he got on a run that would have really helped them keep that game a bit closer. You know, Conrad's capable, uh, Norton's capable. Um, they've got so many guys that can do it and don't necessarily rely on one person. Shane, what's your take on the, the form currently of Matt Knight? I know he had his elbow jumper working early in this game, but it's no secret he's struggled offensively throughout the season. He, he's come good the last few weeks, hasn't he? And, and speaking to him after the game, he said that 
you know, he stayed behind and he's shooting 30 minutes after every practice. Now, that's what a pro does. Like he, that's what he should have been doing all year. Obviously, you know, it, it's clicked and now he's doing it and now he's feeling good about himself. But I was really impressed with the way the Wildcats play. They should be using him as a pick-and-pop player all the time. They're Americans want to give the ball up. Prather and Cotton, when they come off on balls, they make pretty good decisions to bring other people into the game. So, you know, Knight is definitely going to be a weapon. He shot the ball at such a high percentage and uh, I'd be going straight back to that. I can tell you there was a robust discussion with a former leader and captain of the Perth Wildcats in a car park after a game during a stretch when Matty Knight wasn't performing at the Matty Knight level, letting him know that he needed to lift and if he did the Wildcats were probably going to have a very good chance of winning a championship. Mm -hmm. Um, I was privy uh, to that bit of information. Ever since that robust discussion, which was a fairly frank and direct one, it's amazing how he's started to put in a little bit of extra work and to the credit of the Wildcats and himself, he has been, and I thought Jesse Wagstaff during the previous series, the big four of Cotton, Prather, Knight and Wagstaff have stepped up and they're going to have to continue to do it on the road. The rebound is the talking point. You've harped on it. Everyone knows. Bevo's talked about it as well. He caught his team soft during the course of the press conference afterwards. Um, this game is going to be one on the glass. The end of the story, correct? No doubt. And, you know, Bevo's planting the seeds in the press. He's pretty yeah. good at doing that, of being able to send messages to his team. And they'll come out breathing fire. They do it all the time. And, and they've been as good as anyone of losing games on the road and then flipping that back around and coming out and playing so much harder at home and getting the job done. So the Wildcats are going to walk into a fight. There's no doubt about that. It's going to be a great game, great game to call, and I think it's going to be a really close one. If they make shots, they can certainly win the game. Just thinking back to the regular season, I think the New Zealand Breakers were on the end of one of those hidings after they uh, performed poorly on the road. Shane, thank you so much for your time. We look forward to listening in and tuning in to the call Wednesday night and we're hoping over here in the West that the Wildcats can come back and sew it up in three and we look forward to catching you back in Perth. Prediction, Shane, where do you think the series goes to? Uh, I've, I said at the start that the, it'll be 3-1 to the Wildcats. So um, I'm going to stick with that. I think that they are a chance for the Hawks to be able to get game two. I don't think the Hawks will win a game in Perth though. We are the nation. NBL Nation on 98.5. Nick Lakovic is vigorously rubbing his hands together because we're going to do a 24-second shot clock segment. You usually shy away from this. Well, not shy away. You're not that kind of person. But a little bit of trepidation each week when I'm Mm. about to throw you in front of a bus. Yeah, I'm looking forward to what's going to be a grand final 24-second shot. Yep, and you've hit the nail on the head. That is the theme. So we'll start the clock now, and in our next segment, we'll go through the answers. When was the last standalone NBL grand final played? Wow. Give you hints. In the 80s. Uh, 87. Good effort. There are three teams in the history of the National Basketball League that have never lost a grand final series. Name them. Canberra Cannons. Uh, I'll give you a bit of guidance. All three teams are no longer in the competition. Doesn't really help you. Titans, Cannons, and Geelong. No, not Geelong Supercats. They didn't win one, did they? Geelong Supercats. Okay. Six players have won the regular season most valuable player and the grand final most valuable player in the same year. Name them. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is a trip down memory lane. Have won the grand final MVP and the regular season MVP. Name all six. Or just try and get as many as you can. Wow. 
Um, I know you'll get two, three. Three of the six. Andrew Gaze. Okay. I'm stumped right here now. Leroy Loggins. Well done. Chris Williams. Beautifully done. Man, that was axed from the league this year. You got me. Okay. Name all of the Perth Wildcats grand final MVP. Out of seven grand, out of seven championships. So someone okay. won it in a losing team. All right. So I remember Vlahov has won one. Yep. 95. Grace has won one. Hansen won in 91 off the top of my head. Yep. 93 grand final against Melbourne Tigers was Ricky Grace. In a losing team. In a losing team. Jermaine Bill was in 2014. So there's three more. Last year's. Damien Martin. Yep. So there's two more. Year 2000 and 2010. You've done really well to get six of the eight. Kevin Lish. Seven. And 2000, I can't figure. All right, we'll come back to it. Okay. Which Australian-born players have won the most grand final MVPs? Both retired. Brett Maher. Yep. And 06, 08. I'm not giving you the team. Andrew Gaze. Good effort. Who is the only New Zealander to be named the NBL Grand Final MVP? Kirk Penny. The South East Melbourne Magic won how many titles? Three. Which two clubs merged to form the South East Melbourne Magic? Victoria Titans, the East Side Melbourne Spectres. Oh, okay. Out of time. We'll come back to the answers straight after this. We are the nation. NBL Nation on 98.5. Hands down, that was the toughest 24-second shot clock segment. I left it right to the business end of the season. Fittingly, the first question I threw at Nick Lakovic was, when when was the last standalone NBL grand final played? It was 1985. Brisbane played Adelaide. A one-off grand final. Wow. Much like the AFL and other sports 121 to 95 so a comfortable win for the Bullets in the end there are three teams in the history of the NBL that have never lost a grand final series the St Kilda Saints okay two and zip this one if you'd have got this I would have bowed (laughs) down to you the Launceston Casino City they're one and zip they folded in 83 for memory and the South Dragons wow yeah they played one and one only there you go Six players have won the regular season MVP and grand final MVP. Andrew Gaze was not one of them. Okay. L- Leroy Loggins, 1987. Back in 1980, that was a great year. <laughs> Two, just quietly. Some exceptional people were born in that year. Rocky Smith. Rocky an Smith. Ex- Houston Rocket player there. Incredible import, the history on the mm. people that have seen him play said he was one of the best ever. Well, there you go. He was drafted by the Rockets, I think, in 67. Now, I didn't even write that down. 89, Scott Fisher. Giants. Yep, did the duel. 0203, you're correct. Chris Williams from the Sydney Kings. What a player he was. Yep. Absolutely phenomenal. In 05, 06, Chris Anstey. Okay. And in 2012, 13, Cedric Jackson. He was the man that was axed this season. Name all of the Perth Wildcats NBL Grand Final MVPs. You got seven out of the eight. 1990, Ricky Grace. 91, Pete Hansen. That's right in your wheelhouse, that, those years. <laughs> 93, Ricky Grace. Yeah, I was at that game. Andrew Vlahoff's three rimmed out. I it, cried. It was the turnover that almost happened, and, and Hoff, AV, saved it from going over half court, took yep. one dribble over Bradkey and almost nailed Despite it. Despite being 13 years old, I did cry <laughs> when they'd lost that game. 95, Vlahoff. That was a contract year for him, was it? Uh, it was a contract year for... Crawford, yeah. I know that. Oh, okay. Uh, it was famous contract year for Crawford where Stokes put him in the limo after mm. that grand final series and said, name your price. There you go. 
Now, 2010, I'm going to jump ahead, was Kevin Lish. That was against the Hawks. 14 was Beal against the Sixers. And then Damian Martin last year. In 2000 was Marcus Timmons. Oh, that's right. There you go. Which Debut. Is, yeah, it was. Which Australian-born players have had the most grand final MVPs? Brett Maher and Chris Anstey. So you're one of two. Who was the only New Zealander to have been named the NBL grand final MVP? Tom Abercrombie. Okay. 2011. Was that against Cairns? I think it was. You might be right. The South East Melbourne Magic have won two titles and the two clubs merged to form that club. 1992, the Southern Melbourne Saints. That's Remember it. them? Yep. And the Nutterwadding Spectres. The Spectres. Who's still playing the SEABL. There you go. Nick, you did really well. We've got one segment left on our second last show of the year. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 98.5's NBL Nation. Another NBL Nation show is fast approaching. Nick, talk us through game two. Can the Wildcats win on the road? Your tip? Yeah, they can. The two major things I underlined was their rebounding and their toughness. You know, I talked about it at the end of the regular season. I felt Perth are primed right now to be the most equipped team to win the championship. They've got a pedigree of success. They understand what it takes in terms of mental application. They're elite at defending through Damian Martin. They've got two quality studs as imports, just Dobermans that who can fly up and down the floor in transition and both from the perimeter. They can attack you on the glass and do some damage. And now they're playing with a, a movement in offense, especially against man, and they've completely dismantled what wasn't a successful offensive scheme for them with the talent they had in the flex to this free-flowing open style of play, lifting in on-ball, spacing the floor and allowing Cotton and Prather and the likes to be able to create and find open shooters. Now, the area where the Hawks did a good job and credit goes to Bevo, I thought he did a better coaching job and he came with a game plan. He just, in my opinion, and I said it earlier, I don't think he has the horses over a five-game series and maybe over 40 minutes to Mm. win. They're going to give you opportunities where they miss shots, Illawarra. And Perth can capitalize on that. They did it in game one by attacking the glass. They've got guys who are coming in and that can come in and make a significant difference immediately on those areas. Brandt, Hire, Redditch, Wagstaff, Knight, McKay. I just don't think that Illawarra have got that kind of caliber and talent to be able to make a significant impact in game two like they need to. Can they shoot the ball really well, better than Perth at times? Without a doubt. Mm. But they need to maintain not giving up extra possessions to Perth. Game three will be at the arena Sunday, 12 p.m. And you're going to be missing that. What is potentially going to be a grand final sweep. Now, we said this before the grand final series started that we both thought that Perth would sweep the Illawarra Hawks three zip the, the day after. And we're not just saying that now because we've got the benefit of hindsight. Who do you think will be the grand final MVP? I think Casey Prather will. Yeah. Uh, I think they don't have an answer for him. And as Sean mentioned earlier, Casey's in a great state of mind. Physically, his body is as good as, it, as it's been. You can see his, his endeavor and his attack at the rim in transition. And he's got an aura of confidence about him. And if he happens to knock down some shots from the perimeter on the road, his last month in the regular season has been outstanding. They were to measure his last month. He would have been the MVP in the competition, in my opinion. So it's going to be tough for Illawarra. Uh, They're capable of winning a quarter, so they're capable of winning a game. But I think Perth will have the answers for them. What a great time it is to be a basketball fan, and in particular, in our great state, 
of Western Australia. The SBL season's fastly approaching. The Perth Lynx still alive. Get behind them. Get down to the Bendat Basketball Centre on Friday evening. The doors will open at 5.30pm and get to the arena Sunday and the 12pm tip-off, Game 3, and what we are hoping will be the decider for the Perth Wildcats. And Nick, thank you again for your efforts. Now, we just need to let everyone know that next week there will be no NBL Nation show, unfortunately, to go live or a podcast as it is a public holiday here in Western Australia. But the following week will be our final show where we can do a wrap of the NBL and the WNBL seasons. Thanks again for your efforts. Great being here again. Thanks again to Carly Mirovic of the Perth Lynx, Sean Redditch of the Perth Wildcats, and the NBL great Shane Hill. Enjoy what is going to be the biggest week in Australian basketball. And we look forward to your company in two weeks to dissect it all. On behalf of Nick Lakovic, this is Matt Chachin saying farewell. We look forward to your company very soon. NBL Nation on 98.5. We're family.